Welcome to Lamenting the Leafs. I'm Cam, along with Nick today, just the two of us on Valentine's Day. How sweet. Uh, How sweet indeed. Keith is out of commission. Uh, Strep throat, not good. Not good. Don't envy him. That one kind of par for the course with little kids at school bringing home all oh, kinds of germs. Man. I know all it about is it. Brutal out there. Yeah. yeah. Emily was just sick for like the better part of two weeks from, you know, people at work being sick from their kids. Oh, it's just it's a bad time out there right now. It's tough. Yeah. Um, we, we got lots of Leafs news to talk about. Uh, first and foremost, one Morgan Riley who uh, earned a five game suspension. And boy, did he earn it? <laughs> uh, the Leafs are appealing, but uh, let's talk about the act itself. As you know by now, Ridley Gregg cranks up a slap shot into the empty net from the uh, top of the crease, clearly fired up. And who can blame him? You know, it's not every year that you can win three Stanley Cups in one season <laughs> by beating up on your big brother franchise. You know, it's that's a big moment. Uh, and Morgan Riley beelines toward him. And Nick, personally, I, I was floored here. Like, I was expecting a shove and some chirping. And instead, it's a cross check to the side of the head. And I'm sitting there thinking for a second that I'm playing an NHL game I haven't even bought yet because there's no way a, a Leaf did that of their own volition is there well i mean if if anyone or like at least out of the core members of the team if it was going to be anyone to, to do that it was obviously morgan riley and i mean yeah. I, I loved it like uh, results aside suspension aside the fact that he you know showed some anger and some emotion and just frustration at the, the way things have been going and just the fact that you know he wasn't going to take that disrespect lying down. And that's exactly what it was. Like anyone who thinks that Ridley Grieg did not know what he was doing or what he was trying to incite there in terms of response is only kidding themselves. Like, and, and credit to him, like he did his job. He was trying to piss off the Leafs. It worked to a T. Uh, not only did he incite that response, he he took the the Leafs' best defenseman out of action for five games here. You know, pending the appeal, which I, I don't expect much uh, satisfaction from. But you know, no. uh, it, all around, uh, I just I, I'm not you know terribly bothered with how it played out. Uh, I just think that anyone who who doesn't think. Ridley Grieg knew what he was doing there or what he was oh. trying to do is, is just kidding themselves. And on all sides, right? Like it's, I, I, I didn't really care about the slap shot. I kind of laughed at it and I, you know, I, I, I figured it's not the act. It's the intent, right? And the intent was obviously to piss off the Leafs. Exactly. And, and that's it. It's, you know, it's, it's, we don't have, need to pretend like he was just trying to score an empty netter in a cool way or, so, he or did something. He two like shoulder checks on the breakaway <laughs> to make sure he had time to clap it. Like, he knew yeah. what was going it, on. I mean, there have been all kinds of dumb takes and reactions, as you can imagine, in the wake of this here. Uh, one of my favorites, though, you, you can't cross-check a guy in the head because you don't like how he scored on the empty net. You can, actually. In fact, <laughs> I just watched Morgan Riley do exactly that. <laughs> yes. Like That's one of the many beauties of hockey, right? You can just kind of do whatever you want out there. It's like when people say you're allowed to fight in hockey. Well, no, actually, it's illegal. There's a five-minute penalty for it. <laughs> but, but people fight, and they're always going to fight because when you're on the ice, you can do whatever the fuck you want, and you deal 
deal with the consequences later, which is what both Ridley Gregg and Morgan Riley did on Saturday night. Like in the case exactly. of Gregg, yeah. he decided to dunk on a rival. He knew exactly what he was doing. And no doubt in my mind, part of the calculation there was these guys aren't going to do shit. He calculated wrong. He might have been a bit surprised. Yeah. And for whatever you want to say about him, I'm sure he wasn't soft enough to think, you're not allowed to do this, while Morgan Riley is trying to pass his lumber through his frontal lobe, right? So, like, uh, Yeah. A- anyone who is familiar with Ridley Grieg's game at all, going back to junior and, you know, in the early days of his NHL career, like, it, that's not exactly out of character for him. Ex- exactly. <laughs> he did a thing that he knew could garner a response, and Riley did a thing that he knew was probably going to get him a suspension and it did five games and you know quite frankly possibly more than that because like for once the Leafs have actually done something that probably requires a response the next time you meet and that was like the aspect of this Nick I think that lingered with me beyond any cross checks or empty net slap shots or suspensions or whatever like one of the core members of this team actually seemed to get pissed about being embarrassed and I love that. It should serve as a rallying point for the entire team. And, I, and we'll get into the game against the St. Louis Blues uh, in a minute here. And it, it, that obviously seemed like a good start in terms of, you know, building off of that rallying point or flashpoint in the season. But like, that's how this has to be treated by the rest of the team. You know, go out there, play for Mo, kind of follow in his, you know, or follow his example, at least in terms of giving a shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I guess the thing that bothered me most about this entire scenario is like the, the pearl clutching from people acting like Morgan Riley had committed the most vicious act ever that has taken place on an NHL rink, which is just asinine. Like, yeah, he cross-checked him in the face. It wasn't that fucking bad. Ridley Grieg was out there the next game scoring goals. Uh, you know, I don't think that it, it, you know, bothered him all that much in the grand scheme of things either. Like, he got what he wanted in that situation. So, yeah, it, I think it is what it is. And I think the Leafs just have to try and use it as a, a bit of a rallying point, like I said. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, it's it's like, I'm not going to pretend like it was, you know, like some valiant act or like it's even sends some kind of a toughness message or anything like that. You know, like if, if he was going to do that, he would have dropped the gloves. But like, you know, he's he's got a lengthy suspension out of this. He got his money's worth for, uh, for the act. But... Like, you know, we, we've talked about how the team's attitude or level of toughness or whatever can can only ever be shifted so much by bringing in like guys like Ryan Reeves yeah. or deadline pickups or otherwise like adding around the margins to, you know, increase the quote unquote team toughness. Uh, it, it's got to come from the top guys. And, yeah. you know, at the very least, like there's got to be a shift in the mindset. Like you, you've had these moments in the playoffs, like Tavares getting cold cocked by Chara and Matthews getting ragdolled with a grin on his face where like the response has just felt so like flat and uninvested in the moment. And like, yeah. if this is kind of a turning point where, you know, there's, there's a, a little bit more of a, uh, an accountability, a little bit more of an investment than, you know, that that's again, not not expecting it's going to be all of a sudden the Broad Street bullies out there. But like, get, just give a shit, you know? Yeah. And just, just don't take it lying down like we've seen so many times in the past. Right. So I, I think that was the, the biggest thing for me is it, it could be. You know, so looked at as sort of like cost of doing business sort of thing, right? Like, obviously, you don't want to lose your best defenseman uh, for five games, but it, it really could serve as kind of a a bit of 
a beginning to changing the narrative around this team. Like you said, it's got to come from the top. And I don't think that a- anyone is surprised that, that Morgan Riley was the guy to step up in that moment. No, you, you're definitely right about that in terms of uh, if it was going to be anyone. Um, so, you know, the Leafs go on to, to pull off a pretty impressive win over the, the St. Louis Blues without Riley in the lineup. And, you know, we've all probably seen the numbers from last season with Riley out. You know, they, they, they were pretty good, but um, kind of funny, know, a, actually a, a nice performance uh, against the Blues, Nick. And, and I mean, um, you know, y- you get a little boost probably from, like you said, playing for Mo a bit. Um, but uh, man, this uh, blue line hasn't exactly been roses all season long. So it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, they cope the next four games here. Yeah. And I mean, where would the Leafs be without? someone like Simone Benoit stepping up the way that he has. You know, you, you look at the game against St. Louis uh, on Tuesday night. Benoit was up over 20 minutes uh, right there with McCabe and Brody, really in terms of leading the way on the blue line. And, and that's kind of what it's going to have to be here o- over these next few games without Morgan Riley, get it done by committee. And I just thought everyone played a really composed, connected sort of style. There's none of those really egregious errors that we've you know become too accustomed to i think a lot of the times with the leafs especially this season when things haven't gone their way it's been a lot of like self-inflicted wounds death by a thousand cuts sort of thing and we just didn't see that against the blues it was a just a really complete solid performance from everybody top to bottom but it, it, it starts with those guys like mccabe and benoit and credit to TJ Brody. I thought he might've had his best game of the season against the the blues on Tuesday night. So those guys stepped up and they're going to have to continue to do so. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I mean, to, to talk a bit more about the game itself, like, you know, we've been talking about Nick Roberts and we were talking about him before we started recording and like he has, has really kind of like, I don't want to say turned a corner necessarily, but I, I mean, I, I really think that it kind the, of feels like is, he does actually. Like, I, I mean, yeah, you, you, you hope that it's going to continue and, and be on a, a solid upward trajectory. Like it, it certainly does feel right now much better uh, in terms of like how he's fitting in up and down the lineup like he's just doing so much away from the puck and doing the little things that are going to keep him in the lineup right yeah like even when the puck's not going in the net that was the thing with him before it was if he wasn't putting up numbers on the score sheet or if he wasn't you know consistently generating grade a chances and what have you he probably wasn't going to be in the lineup but these last few games since he's been reinserted i've really been impressed with the way that he's just you know making the not always the safe play necessarily, but it's always a smart play. Any risks that he's been taking with the puck on his stick have been really calculated. It's been a lot less like just kind of hope plays, firing pucks in the middle of the ice. He's still playing with that, that kind of reckless abandon, breakneck pace sort of thing, but it, it seems like overall he's just processing things around him much better showing some more patience with the puck on his stick Uh, I thought he was one of the best Leafs on the ice uh, against the Blues and they really needed it right like it it wasn't just Morgan Riley out of the lineup you know they're missing John Tavares and Mitch Marner who are both out with illness Uh, add to Cal Yarncroke, who's uh, been transferred to long-term injured reserve with the uh, the broken knuckle. So it was a really thin forward group against the Blues, and, and Nick Robertson was one of the guys who really stepped up, and I just think it's been kind of a, a continuation of the way that he's played over the last few games, and that's going to be a huge thing for this Leafs team because secondary scoring has been an issue all season, but more than that, it's just been getting the the bottom part of their lineup to consistently tilt the ice in the Leafs' favor has been a real problem. 
And I, I think we've definitely seen that more consistently with the likes of Robertson and Domi as of late. Yeah, I mean, you, you get a nice little Bobby McMahon hat trick every few games, and I think you're really cooking <laughs> yeah. in terms of the secondary scoring. How uh, awesome what, is that, though? A guy who's that like, was great. come up through the East Coast League to earn an AHL deal, you know, performs at the AHL level, earns an NHL deal, like doesn't break through to the NHL until he's, what, like 26, 27 years old. And uh, to see him, you know, have a game like he had uh, against the Blues on Tuesday night was, was just a really cool story. I love when, I mean, you know, you get the hat trick and you get the empty netter and you know it's an empty netter but like it's nice when you can get one with some style points you know you know if it's gonna if it's gonna be an empty netter like you, you kind of you get a little little juice out of it when, when it's a little bank shot from your own zone that's that's just the perfect kind of empty net hat trick as far as I'm concerned well there was a bit of like drama added to it with just the way that the puck you know, coasted down towards the net and you had Tory Krug chasing it down like a madman just unable to get there but what I really loved about that play was McMahon wasn't going for for the net there. He was doing the responsible thing, shielded the, the opposing player with his body, took the puck in his feet, and just made the safe play to get it off the wall and out while defending a lead. And, you know, sometimes you, you get rewarded with good karma, and that's what happened there, that the puck found its way across the goal line to complete the hat trick. I, I just I thought it was a really nice moment for, for Bobby McMahon and the rest of the team, really. Yeah. I mean, you talked about uh, Robertson. I mean, that, that line, right? Bertuzzi, Domi, oh, Robertson. They were awesome, like, man. Got to find a way to make that work as a, a, a third sheltered line like that. That might have a little bit of juice. Yeah, I mean, you, you probably can't do a whole lot in that regard until Yarn Croak is back uh, in oh, the yeah. lineup full time. Uh, I mean, unless you're you're moving up recent hat trick getter Bobby McMahon uh, up into a, a top six role, I just don't really see that happening. But th- there was some obvious juice from that uh, Bertuzzi Domi Robertson line against the Blues. I mean, poor Tyler Bertuzzi. I don't know what he did in a past life, but. <laughs> The, the, the guy absolutely cannot buy one. I don't know how many grade A looks he had against the Blues. And, you know, it, it wasn't just that game. He's been getting his looks. You know, he's had one or two, I think, called back over the last few weeks. It, it's got to be so frustrating for him. And, you, you know, you see that breakaway opportunity. It didn't look like a guy who was super confident uh, with the way things are going right now. I mean, who could blame him? But he, he has been doing a lot of the little things right. And, you know, it's that old saying, you keep getting chances, eventually they're going to go in the net. But, I mean, you can only believe that for so long. And uh, it, it's definitely getting to that that point now with Bertuzzi where it's just kind of unbelievable that one hasn't fallen in for him. Just need that other shoe to drop in the playoffs and that's we're good. That's uh, all is forgiven. I mean, <laughs> if this is all just building towards a lot of positive regression come the postseason, <laughs> then so be it. But I mean, this guy is as snake bitten as I can ever remember seeing anybody. Yeah, it's 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 been a marvel for sure. And I mean, things look a lot different for the for the Leafs and the way things are going. If he starts to put a few of these in the net, you know, like, like a, a big story for the Leafs has been, you know, not necessarily just being unable to defend leads, but being unable to extend them and really put teams away. And, you know, another goal here and there from a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi or Max Domi, who has been getting uh, a lot more chances recently as well. It's going to go a long way to kind of securing some of these victories and just being able to, you know, notch some of those more comfortable wins where you're not hanging on for dear life in the dying moments. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, you're going to get 
the odd game like the Dallas game where the the stars just decide like we're winning this, but it, you need that uh, that contribution, especially on a night where you got you know three of your big guns out of the lineup, right? Yeah, it's just not a sustainable formula to to expect it to be on the big guys every single night. I guess like that's what the money's for, but in the end, this is still a team game, and it, it's it's not like basketball where someone's got the ball in his hand whenever he wants or someone's always got the ball in control of possession. It's not like football where, you know, the quarterback can really take over and dictate how a game's going to turn out. You still need to utilize the the five guys that are on the ice, and they can only be on the ice for 45 seconds to a minute at a time. So you need contributions from all over the lineup. And, and you know, I, there's a lot of positive signs there that those contributions should be coming, but the the, the fact remains they, they haven't shown up on the score sheet. Yeah. Uh, so that's something to watch for down the stretch. Um, you know, as, as we said, a few guys out, Morgan Riley with the suspension. You had uh, Tavares and, and Marner both on the shelf with illnesses. Um, we're just recording this uh, following practice on Wednesday. Uh, word coming down that William Nylander has also joined the uh, the, the sick oh, ward with, with Tavares and Marner. So uh, it remains to be seen what will happen before Thursday's game. But uh, things are definitely thin right now uh, as it looks at the moment. So we didn't really get much into the suspension itself and the length of it. I mean, I, what the hell do you say at this point with this Department of Player Safety, right? Like it's there's precedent both ways almost when you look at the David Perron thing versus you look at all the different yeah. probably worse infractions that got away with just fines or whatever were ignored entirely like it's it, who the hell knows anymore yeah n- nobody it, it's spin the spin the big wheel I guess um, it's just frustrating that there is that kind of inconsistency you know I'm sure a lot of people listening to this saw some of the video threads that have been posted on Twitter the last couple of days, you know, going back to the year of the, the Canadian division with Alex Chase on coming up to Jimmy VC after the final yeah. horn went and just totally unprovoked cross checks him in the face gets what one game, you know, th- there's just a, a lot of incidents that seem to be at the very least as bad as what Riley did, if not far worse that have received, you know, l- less punishment. So it, it is really frustrating. I know it's it's great for all those people that hate the Leafs and like to get on our case and things like that because it it is fuel to their fire to you know hear us complaining about bias in the league office and things like that but if you really look at the evidence it's it's hard to dispute the fact that there is some sort of Leafs tax on these matters of Department of Player Safety with the with the Leafs. Um, yeah, I, I didn't. Think well, they had the exact same problem that the rest of the league does with the rubbernecking of the Leafs that they don't yeah. and they don't counteract it. Like, you know, when Shanahan was in the role, he did a good job of, you know, keeping his focus on the thing rather than being influenced by all the chatter. And, and these guys just it's like they're, they're all just kind of, you know, what's going on in Toronto the same way that, you know, guys are sitting in the fucking sitting around at Tim Hortons at eight in the morning on a Tuesday, fucking same exact thing. That's really what it feels like. Yeah, man. It's beyond this Riley suspension, which again, I think is too much. I think, you know, two, three games would have been plenty, especially when you take into context, you know, the, the entirety of the situation, like it's not, and their explanation that Greg didn't see it coming or shouldn't have been expecting it is the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard. Like, 
he again going back to what we said off the top of the show he knew full well what he was doing he's trying to incite a response to oh, he's doing it against he, the most penalized suspended team in the league over the last few years you got to expect yeah, a response right quite a dichotomy you know uh, <laughs> right the, the leafs being the the softest team in the league according to everybody but also you know having the most man games lost to suspension over the last number of years it, but you know just kind of separating it from the leafs here um it's not as if anyone claims George Peros has done a fantastic job in his role with any of these suspensions, really. Like, it's been a, a league wide thing, like, just the inconsistency and just some of the downright foolish decisions that he's made in terms of suspensions around the league over a number of years. It's, it's really hard to believe he's still in the role, to be honest with you. Like he's been god awful at this job. Yeah, he's keeping someone happy. That's that's yeah all you can chalk it up to. And I mean, when when you know, I mean, you have Bettman reducing the the Spezza suspension a few years back. Like how how many times has that ever happened? Right? It's it's been I very mean, rare. Uh, and, and even in that, don't expect case, you're going to see that in this case. But yeah, I, I mean, I definitely wouldn't hold out hope for it. And you know, even going back to the Spezza decision, the, the the ruling from Bettman only came after, after Spezza yeah. had already sat out the six games anyhow. So yeah, he got a few bucks back on his paycheck, but you know, it didn't materially change the way the suspension affected the player and the team really. So uh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't be expecting much in terms of the, uh, the appeal process here, which is, it's, it's almost kind of frustrating that they kept it at five games because anything beyond five games would have gone to a neutral arbitrator and you know i i think given some of the evidence and comparables over the last few years that the leafs could have brought to to that neutral process uh i don't think it would have held up uh, or maybe that's just wishful thinking but I, I think the leafs would have had a pretty good case you know now that it's just a five game suspension the only appeal is directly to the commissioner so i mean expecting uh, much satisfaction there is i i think setting yourself up for disappointment yeah so obviously they they held up pretty well uh, in in game number one but four more without riley coming here and i mean he's obviously been the uh, the stalwart of this blue line for a long time but I mean, this season, in especially particular, this season, it, man, he, he's playing the best hockey of his career. No doubt. Yeah. There's guys who have dropped off. There's guys who have, you know, not quite been up to maybe the standard you were hoping or haven't progressed the way you're hoping when you're looking at like maybe a guy like Lilligren uh, and Riley has just been as as good as ever. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's he's going to be missed for a few games. You already were looking at this as a position of need for the Leafs heading into the deadline. I expect that you're going to see uh, much more reason to make a move and and maybe there's a bit of a blessing in disguise kind of thing here where uh, you know if, if tree living weren't already convinced then maybe these next four games are, are going to push him <laughs> over the edge in terms of yeah we, we we need some help here well I don't think tree living is going to need a whole lot of convincing it's, it's kind of been a talking point for him since he took over the job that he would be looking to if not uh, make a significant upgrade to the defense, at least be looking to kind of change the mix back there. And I, I think you, you kind of you circled the the point really well, Cam, with some of the guys not living up to expectation or perhaps taking a step back. You know, we've talked about TJ Brody a fair amount on the on the show this year, and his solid game against the Blues, notwithstanding, he's had a really really rough year. Uh, it just he doesn't look like the same player. 
He's lost uh, at least half a step in terms of overall foot speed. And he, he's just, when the puck is on his stick, man, I made the joke on Twitter earlier this year, like, I don't know what scares me more, John Klingberg in the defensive zone or TJ Brody in the offensive zone, because like <laughs> when, when the puck is on his stick, man, it, you're usually looking at a, a turnover within a, a couple of seconds. He, he's just, he's, he's not seeing it out there and he, he it's been a real struggle for him. So credit to him for stepping up when the team really needed him against the Blues on Tuesday. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that moving back over to his natural side on the left uh, kind of brought that out of him. Uh, but we we definitely need to see more of that level of play out of Brody, regardless of who they do or do not bring in to augment this group. But then you're looking at guys like Mark Giordano is, I think, at best, a number seven on a good team. At this stage of his career, it's it's sad to see, but you know, father time catches up to everybody, and it, it's definitely happened to Giordano this season. Uh, he, he's really been fighting it. I think you know, kind of playing at the the absolute height uh, of what you could ask out of him at this stage of his career, and it, it just it really hasn't been good enough a lot of nights. But I think the biggest problem, which has kind of been offset a little bit by the emergence of Simone Benoit, thank goodness. But Timothy Lilgren has just not taken the step or come anywhere close to progressing the way that I think a lot of people expected and the way that the Leafs hoped he would this season. And I, I think that was really driven home by the fact that without Morgan Riley, who was on the top power play unit against the Blues, not Timothy Lilgren, but it was Jake McCabe. So I, I think that says a lot about how the team feels about Lilgren at this stage and the way that he's played. And honestly, against the Blues, I thought basically everybody on the Leafs was really good, except Timothy Lilgren, man. Like, he was still just making some boneheaded decisions, jumping up in the neutral zone, letting guys get behind him. He just doesn't look confident at all. Looks like he's he's just really fighting it out there. And well, that's why McCabe of, got the PP one. He thinks he's Scott Niedermeyer out there most of the time coming <laughs> up the ice. Fuck, you gotta have that confidence, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, I, we've definitely talked about McCabe's uh, aggressiveness being a bit of a blessing and a curse at times. Um, but you know, he has really stepped up and solidified things on the back end to, to a degree this year. The the pairing of McCabe and Benoit has kind of been a revelation really. And I think if you can get to the point where, you know, that's, those guys are like your, your four or five, or even they form your, your third pairing, you're in a much better spot, but that's going to take a a pretty significant acquisition uh, ahead of the deadline here to kind of slot everyone down a little bit. They need a lot out of Jake McCabe right now. And, you know, bless his heart. He's been giving it to them. Uh, And just what a warrior out there, man. Did you see his nose last night? It was bad enough uh, after the Dallas game. He's getting battered. He's like, his face is a mess right now. And he's still out there like charging into the crease well after the whistle goes on a, on a power play opportunity, just going in there and digging and doesn't care what's going to happen. So like kind of getting back to what we spoke about with Riley and just sort of following his example. I think Jake McCabe is a guy who has been kind of setting that example. You know, it doesn't carry the same weight as it does with a guy like Riley or one of the other big stars on the team, but he is a prominent member of this team. And McCabe has really kind of set that example ever since he stepped foot into Toronto. He, he, he gives it his all every night, man. He's never going to short you on effort. He's never going to wilt away from a tough situation. Uh, I've absolutely loved what he's brought to the team, man. Yeah, no, he's, he's a warrior for sure. 
and I mean, some help might be coming in, in terms of not necessarily on the blue line, but uh, defensively keeping pucks out of the net as far as uh, that goes. Joseph Wall back at practice. Um, it's It's been a while. It's been, uh, you know, yeah. seemingly kind of, I mean, shrouded in mystery, even though, it's, I mean, we know it's a high ankle sprain. Those are obviously difficult. And when you're a goalie, especially so, but uh, yeah, j- just. And, and he's had the ankle issues in the past too, I believe. So it's not, uh, not a new thing for him, but yeah, it, it's been a long process. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know how close this puts him. The fact that he's back at practice, like, does this mean he's going to be good to go? You know, by the weekend, is he going to get a, a start or two with the Marlies just to kind of get back up to speed? I, we'll see how this plays out over the next uh, few days. And maybe there's, like we say, this is uh, practice just wrapping up. Perhaps there have been comments to the to this end, but um, it's something to look forward to. Hopefully, in the, in the next uh, week or two, with his return seemingly on the horizon yeah and the timing of it is pretty good with martin jones going down with a, an injury of his own not a whole lot of details available there uh, i think he's officially listed as day to day but uh you know the leafs were forced to call up dennis hildeby to to back up Ilya samsonov on tuesday night so it, yeah i i think they're definitely going to be eager to get wall back into the mix here um i, I wouldn't be surprised though if they do opt to send him down to the Marlies for a conditioning stint. You know, you can do that without having to pass the player through waivers. So that could be a good opportunity to just kind of get him feeling the puck and, and tracking things at, at, you know, full speed again. But uh, yeah, it's definitely exciting to, to have him at least on the horizon in terms of his return. And hopefully, you know, the, the time on the shelf hasn't uh, had too much of an adverse effect on him and he, he's able to pick up where he left off because he was fucking stellar for this team early in the season, man. I mean, yeah, that's it. That's that's the guy you're hoping is going to start game one, right? So you've got, yeah. and thankfully, a, a nice little runway here to to get him back up to speed. It's it's not like, you know, the, you're almost getting worried that it's going to be like mid-March before you're going to see him, you know, before he finally gets back to practice this week. So, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's been like, where, where, where's Joe? for the last <laughs> few weeks right so uh yeah it's good to see and keith has been doing a really good job i think of kind of managing the expectations with that like every time that keith has been asked about it it's he's nowhere close he's nowhere close you know he even though he's out there as a full participant in practice it's like he's really kind of like hedging the the expectation for you know when wall will will be back and beyond that when wall will be back to like a hundred percent and able to contribute at the top of his game. So I think Keith has done a good job with that. Uh, you just have to hope that it, it all works out and Joseph wall returns to the level of play that we saw from him earlier this year. So Nick, tell me about uh, Easton Cowan because this guy is fucking on a tear, isn't he right now? What What's the streak at? Uh, 21 games, uh, I, I believe, uh, which ties one Mitch Mariner for the, the third longest point streak in uh, London Knights history, at least as far back as they record such a thing. So, man, he, he's just... He's been dominant, you know, like leading the OHL in points per game. He would obviously be the the leading scorer in the league had he been with the team from the beginning of the season. You know, he missed a few games while he was still hanging around Leafs camp. And then there was the, the trip over to Sweden to represent Canada. Uh, but, you know, when he's been in the Knights lineup, he has been an absolute menace. Uh, I, I think last I checked, he had 11 shorthanded points this season, which leads the league. 
So he's been doing it in all facets of the game. And he's just, I think we saw it in training camp, which was probably a, a big surprise to a lot of people, just how close he looked to kind of being at least uh, able to hang at the NHL level. Um, he's just built upon that ever since going back to junior and he's been absolutely dominant, man. Like he's a pesky guy. He's no fun to play against. He's got good speed. He hounds the puck consistently, not scared of mixing it up physically, despite his, you know, below average size, I guess I would say, but he's, he's a well-built kid for his age and size, you know, like 5'11", 185 as an 18 year old. He's not exactly going to get pushed around all over the ice out there. He's just a really smart player, man. I, I have high, high hopes for this kid. It, it's crazy to think back to draft night when so many people were like, what? what? They took this guy in the first round? And like, full disclosure, I was one of those guys. Like, he was not, uh, he was not on my radar with the 28th overall pick. Uh, that, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, it's looking awfully good on the Leafs scouting staff to this point. And he, he's a guy that, you know, everyone's talking about. Uh, the trade deadline coming up and what the Leafs might have to work with in terms of assets. This guy's got to be off the table for me. Unless you're you're bringing in a legitimate game changer who is under contract for beyond this season, at least. Um, it, it, he's an absolute non-starter for me. He's quickly catapulted himself to the top of the, uh, the Leafs prospect ranks, as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, they've got to be just thrilled with the development of this player. Yeah, I mean, I was certainly happy with what we saw like in in the camps in the summer in training camp um wasn't expecting this kind of production i mean it's it, it's really been something um, to be fair the, the london knights have been an absolute juggernaut this season <laughs> i was just going to say like it does feel like the knights have a guy who produces like this every year so maybe he's just kind of you know picking up the mantle for, for the season. But I mean, it's, it's really been, uh, it's been impressive. I mean, like the, the highlights, you know, he, he's obviously got some real talent. Um, you know, the, the skating obviously is, is still going to need a bit of work. Like there have been a couple of highlights where I'm like, that's, that's, you know, that's going to need to, to be cleaned up a little bit kind of thing. Going to need to add a little bit more burst, but um, I mean, he's, he's, just such a smart player and uh yeah. i mean another good summer of training like this guy is this guy is going to be on the cusp pretty pretty I, quick i don't think it's out of the question that he pushes for a spot next fall like i think he was close to pushing for a spot to this past camp to be honest with you so i definitely don't think it's out of the question you know maybe that that's setting expectations a little bit too high but when you you watch this kid and you see what he's been able to do this year, uh, I mean, it, it, it's definitely not beyond the realm of possibility that he plays NHL games next season. Yeah, agreed. Hey, Nick, you want to remember a Leaf? Always, buddy. What do you got? You remember Jeremy Williams? Yeah, man. That's the, like I think about Jeremy Williams like a ridiculous amount. Actually, <laughs> okay, when, go when, on. When, when what? Well, like every once in a while, you'll see that someone come up. Like last year, it was Pontus Holmberg for a little stretch where he came up and it seemed like he was firing the puck in the net like at a pretty good rate, you know, despite limited opportunity. And then, you know, you just see those guys come along so often. And I, honestly, I was thinking about it last night watching Bobby McMahon because it, it always seemed like Jeremy Williams came up and he would go score five goals in seven games or something and then get sent back down. And I just always remember, it, obviously, we were much younger then and kind of, less in tune with the way the league works and you know the, the development of players and just the overall 
attributes needed to hang at the NHL level for an extended period of time. But like, I remember being younger and thinking, like, why is this guy getting sent down? Or why I, is this guy not in the lineup? Because just every time he was out there, he was putting the puck in the net. You're absolutely right. So, I mean, looking at his hockey reference page, like, it's, it's kind of hilarious. He scored in his first game in each of his first four seasons and in the first two <laughs> like the the first season in 0506 he came up he played one game he got one shot he scored next season one game one goal the following <laughs> season uh he played 18 games ended up with two goals but he did score in the, in the first appearance of the season and then the following season five goals 11 games uh yeah. scored I, I think in each of the first three i think it was and then that was that was the end of his time with the Leafs. But yeah, I mean, you would you would think for a team that was that piss poor for that long, that uh, that guy maybe maybe might have been able to uh, contribute something. But um, you know, they had to focus on developing guys like Robbie Earl and uh, uh, who else? Ben Andres. Uh, Andy was <laughs> Matt. Fratton. Andy was Newski. Andy was. Oh Newski. my God! The Wizard of Waz. He was quite possibly the worst player to ever suit up for the Toronto Maple Leafs for, <laughs> for any like legitimate length of time. But between Andy Wozniewski and Mike Koska, I had fucking nightmares, man. Like those guys <laughs> were so God awful. Yeah. Tough times. Oh, Tough gosh, times. So yeah. There you go. Jeremy Williams. Um, I wonder yeah. where he's at these days. Never got, he a, never got a going? fair shake. No, never got a fair shake, but did he make anything of himself over in Europe or anything like that? I never really followed his career beyond. So he got one the, more game after his uh, end, at the end of his time in Toronto in 08 09, uh, which was two seasons later, 2010 11. He played one game for the Rangers. And then after, after his brief kind of cup of tea in the NHL and AHL. He was off to Europe. Yeah, played, uh, looks like Austria, Switzerland, uh, Germany, uh, Sweden. You the know. whole circuit, eh? Yeah, he scored scored pretty well, looks like, uh, over there too. So, go figure. Yeah. But uh, it looks like he, he actually only uh, retired last season the last season he played in 2022-23 with uh, in the, in the second german league division he he played the last two seasons there and from 21-23 and uh, he is 40 as of uh, last month oh wow okay this is his uh, so first season of retirement jeremy williams salute yeah c- congratulations on your retirement mr williams if for some insane reason you happen to hear this but yeah no, I, I guess he was even you younger didn't get a than, fair shake sir <laughs> yeah I, I always i thought of him as kind of like back in the day sort of like that bobby mcmahon age like mid-20s kind of just toiling around the minors but i guess he was a bit younger than that in his first few looks with the leafs I, i'm looking at his his europe stats here and there are like two seasons where he had more assists than goals just just pure snipes out there Oh wow, it's, uh, it's quite a feat. I, I, we might be the first podcast in the history of podcasts to do like five plus minutes on Jeremy that's, fucking Williams. That's what we go for every week, buddy. That's that's the <laughs> that's the bit. You, you did good this week. That's a good one. Buddy. Yeah, that, that that was a good pull. I got to say, I pat myself on the back for that one. Um, how are you? Uh, how are you doing? You you dug out uh, from? I guess you're dug out from the first uh, snowfall, but we, we got dumped on again here again. Yeah. <laughs> in Nova Scotia on uh, on Tuesday night. Um, yeah. All I can say is thank goodness that it got kind of mild after that first storm that lasted what four days and just didn't like we legitimately got 
upwards of 150 centimeters of snow in parts of Cape Breton here in one shot. So crazy, crazy. But like, thankfully it did get a little bit mild in the days following that. So a lot of it began to melt and it's a good thing because we got absolutely dumped on again last night. Uh, Kids are home from school, fiance's uh, home from work. So yeah, uh, getting ready to uh, strap on the boots and grab the shovel again after we wrap this up here. Take her in segments, by it's fucking heavy uh, out there, and man, it's it's been brutal. Yeah, we, um, you know, we're in a condo. We don't have the the, the crazy burden of snow removal that that some do, but our, our our snow removal service sucks. So you know, I'm always <laughs> out there having to fucking clean up after them. Um, and it's yeah, I mean, we we didn't get it near as bad here in the Halifax uh, area as as you did certainly for the first uh snowfall you know we, we got 15 20 centimeters or so i think last night which i, I don't know how much more you guys got than that and right now but it's uh it's ah, been close to a little bit more than that but yeah no it, it's really been crazy i remember like the, the first storm started on what like thursday night went all friday saturday and i was sitting in my kitchen on sunday evening looking out the window seeing it's still just like unrelenting like i couldn't fucking believe that it was still snowing i didn't know where it was gonna go anymore it was uh monday morning i went out and like started trying to clear the end of my driveway myself just because i knew anyone with a plow or a tractor or anything was obviously very busy and probably had bigger priorities than than digging me out i was out there for like an hour and a half and it felt like i made no progress so i kind of tucked my tail between my legs, came back in the house and waited to get a hold of someone with a tractor. And even, even then it was a big job for someone with a, with a full tractor just to, to make room for us to be able to get out of our driveway. So, you know, winter came all at once here on the East coast for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's no doubt. Th- those guys are making a killing. My, my old man's got like a little tractor that he, you know, did a bunch of houses around the neighborhood. And just, I got a picture of him with all these, you know, cookies and muffins and a <laughs> bottle of wine he doesn't even drink he's just cleaning up on the on the goodies from everyone appreciating the the dig out you know yeah well without people like your old man and uh, the, the heavy equipment that they have access to there's well i mean there's legitimately still people uh, around the sydney area and stuff that are buried from the first storm and it's been over a week and there's another storm to dig out from so yeah Insane. quite uh snowmageddon so to speak yeah it's wild uh, so how about, uh, how about that Patrick Mahomes three times Super Bowl uh, champion? How are you feeling about it? Oh, I'm just fucking thrilled for him. You know, <laughs> Oh God, <laughs> I hate the chiefs so much. It, and you know what? I don't even know if that's entirely accurate because I, I have a great amount of respect for Andy Reed. I, I like Travis Kelsey. I like a lot of players on that team, but God, I hate Patrick Mahomes so much, man. He, he's he's obviously incredible. Not trying to take anything away from that. That would just be foolish. He he might be might go down as the best to ever do it. But God, I I can't stand his face. I can't stand his voice. I can't stand <laughs> seeing him pull off these yeah. ridiculous. The voice, the voice I'll give you. The the rabbit <laughs> out of the hat plays where it looks like there should be nothing there for him, and and he you know turns it into a huge gain or a huge touchdown or something like that. I mean, yeah, they're, they're a, a legitimate dynasty, and you know it still kind of feels like they're only really getting started. Like, we, I don't know how many years Travis Kelsey's going to have left, um, but. 
with the way Patrick Mahomes plays the game, I'm not sure it really fucking matters. Like he, he's just, he, he always finds a way to get it done. Th- this seemed like the year where, you know, there was a lot of stuff yeah. uh, working against the chiefs. I mean, it didn't really seem to have the playmakers. Their on. path was incredible. Yeah, I mean, it really was. The teams man. they went through, Jesus. Yeah, like to to go take on the Bills in Orchard Park in uh, you know a game that wasn't exactly fun to play in in terms of the the weather and the the temperature there. That you know maybe the Chiefs aren't exactly used to all the time. Not to say that it's uh, fantastic weather in KC all the time either, but it, yeah, just and then go through the the Ravens kind of really made the Ravens the, their bitch, to be honest with you. Like, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it's just... And, and even the, I mean, the Dolphins were obviously not really seen as much of a, a favorite by the end of it, but like, you know, it, 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 you look at all of the teams who got Super Bowl hype throughout the season, the yep. Chiefs went through all of them in the playoffs, you know? Yep. No, I mean, so. the full marks to them. I, I, I hated, <laughs> hated seeing them win again, but man, that was a fucking awesome game, wasn't it? Like, Oh man, just, and they did it with Larry Curley and Mo at, at wide receiver. Like, I, how are they gonna <laughs> yeah. like? Like you say, like it's it's you know how do you they not lost Tyreek Hill and won two straight Super Bowls the next two seasons? Like it's crazy. I mean, what, what do you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, not much, not much. It's uh, it's fun to watch. I mean, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't a, a terribly exciting game until kind of got towards the end of it but uh, it was it this, was I, I thought things picked enough. up in the second half that first yeah. half was a, a bit of a snoozer though yeah yeah just I mean, good it, defense it is shutting it down you know yeah it was it was like a good game to watch if you're you know a legitimate hardcore football fan who can appreciate things like strong defense and it, just kind of limiting the big plays like that but i think the super bowl is kind of an event where there's a lot of different eyes on that game. Like I know for a fact that I was watching the game with 10 to 15 people who are definitely not what you would consider football fans. So, you know, that might've been the first game they've watched since last year's Super Bowl. And I I just, the the prevailing thought I had through the first bit of it was like, oh, this is not the, uh, the greatest showcase for people who might be watching their first game of the season or something like that. But I thought it it really picked up and you, you can't ask for, a much better finish than a touchdown in overtime in the dying dying seconds of it. So, yeah, it didn't uh, go the way that I would have hoped. Uh, not that I'm a big Niners fan either, mind you. But, uh, yeah, the f- fantastic game all around. Yeah, I, I can tell you I didn't have any, uh, any bets on, you know, any time stops. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't really enough. digging the defensive battle to start. That's that's for certain. But uh, it, it yeah. turned around a bit. Um all right. Well, Nick, I I will say I I, I actually um, on on Super Bowl Sunday got I, I got in the kitchen a little bit, which which is not something I I, I do a lot, but something that I, I kind of wanted to do more this year. And like right, I think I might have been the New Year's Day. I made some made some peanut butter balls, and then I didn't do anything else. Wait, is Hello Fresh doing like uh, Super Bowl snacks? Now? No, no, no. Listen, <laughs> I did up some matzo sticks, some homemade matzo sticks, and they oh, were wow. fucking mint, mint. Oh, they were good. And I've got nice. a pile of them still. Like they, uh, yeah, a whole block of mozzarella. It's uh, it's good. It's good. Um, I might have to make the trip to Halifax for Super Bowl I'll, next I'll year. Hook you up. I'll hook you up. <laughs> and I gotta go now because I got I got another batch of peanut butter balls on the go. I gotta have I gotta have something ready for Valentine's Day, and and the workday's almost over. So let's 
let's let's leave it there and uh, we'll see how the Leafs fare with out Morgan Riley over these uh, these next few games but right on man well uh, thanks for doing this glad to catch up again there's definitely lots to cover but uh, there'll be more to come in the next few uh, few games here especially with the uh, absences on at least the blue line we'll see what happens with the big guns up front but yeah go Leafs get well Keith get well Keith <laughs> yeah.